Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products like Venom heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatech compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Six point five percent was it? Is is that what the current odds are of the Stanley Cup? Well, and you, if you look at the round by round progression, the Stanley Cup favorite is uh-huh. the Vancouver Canucks. Like what a time to be alive! I- Talking you through every goalie controversy, scoring slump, and draft lottery bust. This is the C Four Podcast on CanucksHockeyBlog.com. Here they are, the best starting lineup we could afford under the salary cap. Chris, Matt, Anna, and Adam. Welcome to another episode of the C4 Canucks Hockey Podcast, brought to you by the Full Press Coverage Network and CanucksHockeyBlog.com. I am Chris at Light Force, joined virtually, as always, by Anna Forsyth, A4 Scythe 3 the better half and also smarter host of this show. Uh, welcome, Anna. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. Well, as some listeners know, we have now seen each other in person for the first time in two years. So that is correct. I can say that the like kind words are not just BS. Chris is actually nice to me in person as well. I am nice to everyone. In That's person. not true. <laughs> but you are nice to me. And it was very good to see you in person. Um, been a long old while so Mm -hmm. well we were talking about that as to sort of when was it that we last got together and i mean i'm I'm a little old so my 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 mind can be a little fuzzy uh but uh before we get to that if for some reason you forgot about it that's okay we had our c4 community drink up uh this past weekend at steamworks uh got good to see a few of our uh, our listeners uh make their way out uh, lisa martin came all the way up from the states and she is a talented quilter let me tell you i don't have pictures yet um i will have pictures but um the quilts that she made for us amazing are like yeah like crazy um but uh you know uh, i'm still i'm still upset that she brought us gifts I mean, I'm happy, but you know what I mean? like uh, Yeah, but you can't stop the Lisa Martin kindness. She's just going to find one way or another to get to you. So, honestly, it was so cool meeting her. It was cool 
um, hanging out with a few people. And um, but yeah, Lisa's been a longtime yeah. supporter of ours, so it was very cool. Uh, Anders was there. Uh, JJ Grill, the blog father, who uh, you know some of you may have met before he was there. Uh, there was his friend Damien uh, Faber showed up. Uh, we had uh, Nadine, Annalise. Um, I think I I know, but everyone. we did. It, I'm just like trying to remember exactly who came, and I'm really sorry if we missed anyone, but we did start drinking from four. So mm -hmm. like, and then I had a dinner to go to after. So like, honestly. Great times were had, but there are little fuzzy edges. Yeah, but the this drink up was our first get together since our last drink up, uh, which was the essentially like weekend before the world shut down, mm -hmm. or like maybe week two weekends before yeah, the world it was shut kind down. Of the Feb, I think. Um, yeah, and we met up and watched the Leafs game together. Um, we watched. Mm -hmm. I remember Louis Demang was in that. Canucks lost, but it was a great time. We saw lots of old friends and new friends, and yeah. And then the world, and then and then yeah, the world shut down. So two years later, we we decided to do it again, and we'll we'll do another one. Maybe not uh, two years from now. Maybe you know sooner than that. Uh, just uh, it was nice to see people. I know uh, you know Nexus, for instance, uh, had wanted to come out, uh, but uh, apparently he was on the work site. Uh, yeah. Jay uh, Rabble Rouser Extraordinaire. Uh, he. Uh, Failed to realize that uh, he needed to check the family calendar. Uh, so we'll have to work around all his, uh, his uh, obligations, but uh, we'll definitely do uh, another one in, in due time. But uh, it has been a couple of weeks since uh, we last recorded an episode, and I don't think there's been any big news. So, I mean, is that it for the show? Yeah, I think that's it. C4 drink up update, and now we can go because nothing else has happened. That's right. But before we're actually out, um, you know, I think there was like a, a minor deal announced. Um, so, oh, yeah, you know, some like depth I, player signing, I think it was. So we should probably may touch on that. And I don't know. I mean, was it in a week or two? Is actually a week, I think, is Young Stars. And like two weeks is training camp. Like it's, yeah, two weeks things are, are moving fast. So, yeah. Anyhow, approaches. Let's, let's, let's see what's happened in the last two weeks. <laughs> Will he be a Canuck or won't he be a Canuck? Well, the answer is he will be because JT Miller signed a deal like what days after we recorded. Yeah, selfishly. Um, yeah. In fact, I wasn't here for that show. Um, I was away. I was on vacation. It was this episode that uh, Cody uh, uh, Severson had joined. Um, and, you know, he had made the, the breaking news. The crease cast was was going on hiatus and and then uh gosh darn it cody you're a damn liar because you recorded an episode after jt miller signed his deal much like every single vancouver canucks podcast all 136 of them not named c4 recorded an emergency episode uh to talk about jt uh anna and i were just like well i guess that means that's just a problem that gets dealt with at some point later on in the future yeah i mean i think you either record an emergency episode or just wait because obviously details um the deal became flashed out in the following days so we could have recorded an immediate episode but i feel like we would have been somewhat lacking in what we could address um but yeah, it was funny. I was just addressing this with my um, 
roommate and he was just like what constitutes a hockey emergency and I'm like it's true emergency is a strong word but yeah you know breaking players have been talking and skating Back at 11. Um, the JT Miller deal, though, if for some reason the only Canucks news you get is from our <laughs> podcast, and, and, and that is inconceivable that, you know, in the millions of listeners that we have, that that is actually the case, uh, is a lengthy one. Um, he is going to now be on the books for, what was it, uh, seven, by seven eight. years? Yeah, I was going to say, I was, I knew it wasn't eight, but then I'm like, is it actually seven? Um, but yeah, seven by eight. Uh, he is, as of next season, the highest paid Vancouver Canuck uh, at uh, eight mil. That's a, that's $150,000 more than Quinn Hughes, which honestly, I mean, that's not bad money for what JT might be able to provide next year. Yeah. I mean, just as an aside before we get going on the whole context of the deal, but to put, him in relation to the rest of the league in terms of where he's at now i did do a little look at the scoring leaders jt miller was ninth last year um he'll be earning eight million mitch marner at 10th in nhl scoring he earns over 10 million almost 11 um, Roman Josie at 11 earns over 9. Artemi Panarin earns almost 12 million and he's at number 12. Like in the first like five people, five, six people below him, the only person owning less than him lives in Winnipeg and you know, they do things differently there. So while there's context to all those deals and we're going to go on to talk about the value he'll add in the times to come. Right now, it's, that's like very good value. Well, and at, you know, I think we've made it very clear. JT Miller is good value for a few years. Mm-hmm. It's the question marks beyond a few years that give very, very much concern. Um, I'm not big on the term. Um, you know, and there's those that'll say, well, that's what he would have gotten on the market. I don't disagree. I mean, in fact, maybe if he had a, you know, yeah, he would got paid stellar season. He might've gotten even yeah. more than that. No doubt. Uh, it, it's not a, yeah, no knock here on JT Miller and what he is worth now, but we got to consider, you know, the dude's 30. Um, when the deal's over, <laughs> he's not 30. I mean, I, that's very, very clear. Uh, he, Ugh. Well, I mean, I guess he's he's thirty when the seat, yes. the, so, the deal actually clicks in. So I should clarify. He's thirty that. for every um, year of that extension. Yeah, so you generally don't get eight million dollar value out of a player in their late thirties. Yeah, there are some exceptions to said rule, and the argument is that well, you're not getting eight million dollar value in year of you know, their 38th year, you're getting, you know, more than $8 million value when they're 30. Uh. I mean, yeah, possibly. I, I think like maybe the first year of his deal, um, maybe even the second year you're getting value for money. And like first year, we're probably getting very good value for your money. The problem is, like we said, is not so much. We've kind of talked about this before, how the 
almost every deal, you're not going to be worth it at the end of it, but you're getting paid because the team is making an investment in you. Mm-hmm. Like even star, like absolute star players on, on stud teams aren't going to be worth it by the end of their deal. But the risk you're taking is that you're going to be good enough for long enough of that deal. The problem with the Canucks is, will they be ready by the time JT becomes less than good value on that deal? And will they be able to make those um, small steps to get ready with an $8 million player pushing them closer to the cap? Well, and that's that's key. So, you know, people are like, oh, don't worry about the cap because, you know, they'll just pay for Furland. Yeah, but that's this season and the eight million isn't this season. This this season it's the uh five two five. Um that uh, you know, approximate three million dollar raise that he obtains starting next season. Um unfortunately, you know, Furlan's entire contract is three five. So, you know, that comes off the books. Maybe that's you would say, Oh, well, Chris, that's through him. Yeah, but then what about Bo Horvat? Bo is likely going to get a, a, a small raise if he presumably stays a Vancouver Canuck. Because Menko, if he has a good year, as people are hoping, uh, he'll be making more than the nine fifty he's on. Um, you know, and and as sort of we go down the the list, there are players who you have to replace. Like you'll have to replace a Dowling, you'll have to replace a Durham at a Shen, a Burroughs. And I am, yeah, Jag money. You'll find that, but but it just you know. Oh, heck, Hoglander, there's someone who, you know, will probably be making a few extra bucks. The Vancouver Canucks are in a real interesting position considering, you know, the cap has some built-in stability, I want to say, for two more seasons. and Before I will probably jump right up because if revenues improve as they have been, um, the actual sort of holdback isn't uh, there to to keep it keep things down and depressed right and the kind of issue is that honestly i might even be like if we didn't have like some bad money tied up already in you know oel who don't get me wrong had a really good season last year surprised me i'll admit it but you know he signed till the end of time um Mm -hmm. On some on seven point two five or something, um, and we've got Tyler Myers um, still there, so we don't really have the freedom to just say, like, let's take that risk because JT Miller is worth it as a player because that's just yeah. we've lost that maneuverability. Well, maybe so. The other part piece of this deal is that he has a, a full no move for the first, I think it's a five seasons, uh, four seasons, sorry. Um, and then he has a full no move with a modified no trade, the final three. Uh, and then the modified no trade is a 15 team, no trade list. But the fact that this current season, he doesn't have yeah. anything preventing him from being apparently. sent somewhere. But yeah. Well, he asked to to be tied up. Yeah, they apparently JT Miller's agent asked for uh, an MCU next year, and Canucks declined to make that addition. So, so there is the possibility that this could have been okay. Let's lock up our asset, provide some stability. Because if you think about it in the context of the market, there is some I don't know thought that one 
the Canucks were not providing teams the opportunity to talk to JT's agent about an extension. And then there's another camp that says, no, they were, but then JT's camp wasn't talking an extension with the teams that they were permission to. Regardless, you know what he's now worth. If you happen to be a team out there in the market, do you have the appetite to get him at this cost for that length of time? And I think when we were chatting before, we had come to the resolution that if JT doesn't get signed, you know, and extended, he needs to be dealt at the deadline. Like that's sort of where the next sort of logical point would be. That could still happen. And I'm not trying to advocate trade JT Miller by any shape uh, or form, but it could work out to be a very shrewd maneuver on behalf of, you know, Patrick Alvine to get a guy like this under contract in a deal that you can in turn, you know, redistribute your finances and your assets to acquire some really, you know, nice pieces to then, you know, plug into the evolution of the Elise Pettersons, the Quinn Hughes, and, you know, I mean, Mikheyev or Pod Colson, Hoglander, whomever you might want to sort of say is the, the up and comers. Like, but at the same time, if that isn't the case and JT is a connect, well, we now know the window is open. Yeah. There's not going to be a rebuild with JT on the, you know, on the books for the price that he's being paid. 100%. Um, I think unless Canucks take a nosedive, I don't think they're looking to trade him. Oh yeah, no, I like I'm just, I, you know, I'm throwing stuff no, out there. No, but like just honestly, that would be a really interesting move. Um, if there was really nothing on the market, like on the trade market for him, then sure, maybe delay that for like half season. But yeah, as I say, yeah, I think they're looking to, as you say, start the window, right? Like mm-hmm. start the car, like the window is open. Let's get a cup within a couple of years. And there's lots of pieces that look ready to do that. But it's just a case of the team as a whole. Like, Canucks didn't make the playoffs last year. And now they're suddenly going to be not just definitely make the playoffs, but like serious contenders in it. Well, so there is thought, though, that the Vancouver Canucks were a better team than they ended up being because they were held back for what two and a half three months until the coaching change occurred and the front office shift happened i am not one to hold said belief yeah i think but like you can make the argument that canucks had a much better season after bruce fooder came it's true but to say that wasn't you like as a team like you still were in those games it was still your team playing those games it's not like you were completely ravaged by injury for those games it's not like yeah everyone on the team got covid for those (laughs) 10 games no like that exactly Uh, so while i do believe like if you're arcanucks better next year yeah i think they make the playoffs next year like that's the kind of level they're at but like are they serious contenders less sure well Okay, so on that note, so what is the Vancouver Canucks roster going to likely look like? I mean, is the possibility that there could be some 
personnel changes. Who knows a PTO that works out? Yeah. Um, yeah. Just I mean, it's, it's functionally the same. Make the team at 38 or however old yeah. it is. Uh, you, sometimes you you luck out. I mean, the Canucks have occasionally lucked out on a PTO that they then flip at the deadline for value, and it's like, oh, that's great. Um, you've got Mikheyev, Kuzmenko, and Lazar. That's, it's, that's essentially your three additions. Mm-hmm. With all due respect to Curtis Lazar, I don't think he is the difference as to the Vancouver Canucks making the playoffs or not. I think he's going to be reasonable for the amount of money that he's been signed for. This is the, t- he's actually, his contract's the type of contract you want a guy like him to have. Yeah. I mean, he's essentially the Jason Dickinson replacement. Yeah. You've got, uh, you know, Kuzmenko on an ELC, but, you know, let's be completely honest here. There's no guarantee he goes and lights things up in the NHL. I mean, yeah, we've like, tickled pink if that's the case but you know can't rely on that so really the difference here is it mikhaev is is that what the canucks were missing last year would they have made the playoffs had they had him or a player like him on their roster i mean like as you know i'm a firm believer in the rebrocassance um i do think he's gonna have a hell of a season um and there are a few pieces that look slightly better but yeah it, it doesn't fundamentally shift the team and we still have a huge gaping hole in the right-handed D. Eh, 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 you don't, you don't, not a big deal. Yeah. I just alarms me that we're just like making one of the best defensemen of his generation, just switch sides because Canucks haven't signed anyone. Well, and, but the problem is at this point they can't, I mean, if they do, yeah. who's going elsewhere? Like, and the Vancouver Canucks cap, unfortunately, is in such a position that they would have to, like, this is where I, I genuinely wonder if, like, a PTO might sort of work out in their favor. Someone who's looking for a lost hurrah or an opportunity to play. Um, yeah. It's sort of, you know, it's a nice way to trial something. And, hey, if it works out, it works out great. But I, this is where I, I just, like, I'm not as confident this team makes the playoffs, not because I don't think it can. It's just that is almost completely reliant on the fact that this team was a playoff caliber team that Travis Green was holding back. Yeah, no, I agree with you. When I say I think they're making the playoffs, that's just like if you force me to guess on an actual positioning, I think Canucks make it like, but. I'm not confident. Like let's, I'm glad we don't have confidence for it anymore because I don't know where I, I would be fence sitting real good on that one. I, I think there's a lot that has to go right. And one of them is, you know, that right-handed D option does OEL switch sides. Does Quinn Hughes switch sides? Honestly, I think he could be great at right-handed D because he's that talented and maybe even it suits him better on the power play, but that's a big, just like the fact that those are our options or Tucker Pullman suddenly recovers and doesn't have his lingering concussion symptoms that he's had for almost a season now. Brady, like Brady keeper who's broke his leg and was a fringe player, even at the best of times, just suddenly recovers and is great. At right-handed D to sort of, obviously he wouldn't be playing top pairing or anything, but you know, 
Well, to call back to the last episode, I mean, I, I actually liked how Cody positioned the possibility that a PK Subban who plays sheltered minutes, but occasionally for S's and G's gets thrown on a line with Quinn Hughes. I like that. You know, it, it, it's similar to, and in, in, you know, I say similar to, and people be like, Chris, you're going to refer to a goaltender, Bob Essensa. When Bob Essensa was brought in as a Vancouver Canuck, he provided everything that was ultimately asked of him in his backup role. The problem is that he excelled and exceeded in the backup role. And then eventually the reliance was that Bob had to go and do it all. He was backup Bob at that point for a reason. Mm -hmm. So long as realistic expectations are set, and let's say a player like PK Suden's Ben's Cowler comes in and you get some some good times, some fun times, you know, sometimes you get these little renaissance moments with an older hockey player getting, you know, put in a situation that allows them, you know, that the ability to shine. Trevor Linden is an example of a player who in his, you know, last couple of seasons played a very sheltered role, but what was he very effective in doing? putting them on the power play, partnering them with the, the Sedines and getting really good value in that moment. That's sort of where I could see the Vancouver Canucks making a, mm-hmm. making not a splash, but uh, they're throwing a couple stones in the water to see what the, they can get skipping. Yeah. And honestly, like not to trash Danny DeKaiser, like I just did, like, let me first check his age. Yeah, he's 32, not 38. That was rude. But anyway, and he played in Detroit. Like, that's a tough, tough old place to play in the last few years. So it's not going to make, you know, it's not putting a player in a position to succeed. But also, I bet people say that about Vancouver. Mm-hmm. So. Anywho. Yeah. I mean, as I sort of let off the segment with um, if for some reason, this is the first time you heard that JT Miller got extended. Well, guess what he did. Uh, but ultimately if it's not, it's probably nothing that, you know, we've said that's, you know, been earth shattering news to, to anyone. Uh, the fact remains the Vancouver Canucks are, are functionally a very similar team going into next season. Uh, it's the beyond part where, you know, they'll need some cap help. Um, and one final sort of note on the cap, someone actually had said, Chris, you shouldn't be so worried about the salary cap because the Vancouver Canucks will have two buyouts coming off uh, the books and that'll give them all the room they need. Uh, 2.4 million is not a lot of room. Nope. Just want to throw that out there. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, and I honestly wonder if 2.4 coming off the books and having the ability to buy someone out isn't then going to tie that up again not to suggest that there's a buyout target but yeah obviously what we've talked about is where Canucks are succeeding and that would be in their number one goalie and in center depth like because their top three looks really good but mm-hmm. but you know, below that, like, it's kind of a guessing game. Like, is Jason Dickinson suddenly going to find form again? Um, is Curtis Lazar going to slot right in and be great? I have high hopes for Paul Colson. I'm excited for Kuzmenko. Um, I think Mikheyev can, like, will do a lot better here than Toronto, but it's a lot of 
unknowns, isn't it? As the complementary pieces. Yeah, certainly is. Anyhow, we'll take ourselves a short break. You're listening to the C4 Canucks Hockey Podcast, brought to you by the Full Press Coverage Network in CanucksHockeyBlog.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Take hitting out of the game. You can't hit anymore, so don't do it. The unsportsmanlike conduct, I want to get an explanation on. No kidding. Because how do you get suspended for unsportsmanlike conduct? Plus interference. There's no interference there. He had the puck. Now, Madison never ever did that before. Now, why did he do it? That because he was mad. Well, your early favorite for the Calder <laughs> Trophy, that's for sure. Elias Patterson. you might even say your early favorite for the Hart Trophy. <laughs> Just to get back to your question, Elias is going to play plenty. He can play. He's going to get a lot of power play time. And, yeah, I'm concerned about our offense. We lost 200-point players, and we've got to find a way to score. We kind of got into this already. Right? We were going to talk about sort of the, the lineup itself, and I mean, I guess just out of the necessity of saying, hey, JT's back. What does this look like for the future? We we, we sort of went down that that path. Um, Do you think and, we get the lotto line at any point? Uh, I don't know. Um, I'm still thinking not, not, at least not initially, well, because we've got these well, new Russians to add in. Well, that and the fact that the perception is JT Miller's the center. Yeah. And PD's being played as a center. So you're, if you're not going to move one of them to that left wing, then you have right there <laughs> two lines. Um, I'm genuinely curious. Let's say the lotto line did get put back together. Mm-hmm. Is the presumption that Bo Horvat's your second line center? Okay, so why? I mean, is he third line? Like, this is the part well, that sort of I, I do like, think puzzles me. Is it is it like playing JT and playing Elias as your two centers? That's top one, two in Brock's. No, Brock, sorry, Bo's getting bounced down to number three. Right, but you wouldn't say he's a third line center. I'd say he's no. a second line center. But isn't that a good problem to have? That you're I guess. you're I paying mean, your like second line center and. Let's be well, honest. You're not it's paying just... your second line center third third line money. I mean, in fairness, Bo Horvat is not getting like PD money or no, but know, he's Miller money, Captain money, well, he's and Miller he's money getting... next year. Yeah, exactly. Um, but like, <laughs> not that lines don't mean anything. Of course they do, but like, it's not as set in stone as you know. Every single night, Bo gets like the third most minutes right like there'll be times when Bo's line will be playing more 
So I yeah, I, like when the Vancouver Canucks are uh, in penalty trouble, or yeah, <laughs> I mean, unfortunately, but I don't see that as a huge issue. Like, I do think you're gonna have to choose between like a really fun, exciting scoring line and spreading your depth out a little bit more. Well, so that's the thing, though, is you say a fun scoring line. I, I think the argument is that you want more than one of those lines, which is why you play PD and JT apart. Yes. But in doing so, you know, you're, I mean, we don't know. There's, there's, there's a lot of, you know, darts at a board here because we're going into a, a new season. But there isn't anything that sort of, you know, screams fun scoring line to me when PD and JT are separate. I mean, like scoring line, yes, but fun scoring line. Because what I perceive fun scoring line is the line that goes out there and they're a constant threat. They're exciting, high tempo, and that might be possible. And they have pieces that could make that happen, but it's reliant on a number of different things. Yeah. Um, I will say that a lot of what's been talked about, what Bruce talks about quite a lot is pairs, right? In his forward lines. Because um, mm-hmm. he likes to do that, so that they can, you know, work together as um, offensive units, especially on the power play. So I do think we'll see a lot of like JT and Pod Colson seem to be like a good fit, mm-hmm. right? And especially where they ha- they seem to have a really good mental um, mentee relationship as well. So I think we'll see a lot of that. Like, can't seems- wait to have Pods out there dropping the f bombs on the end. <laughs> well, he needs to learn the language. <laughs> I mean, Those are usually the words you learn first, too, right? So, yeah. but like you know, I think we'll see a lot of PD and Brock together. We'll see like Bo and um, Pearson. Like they did really well together. I think we'll see whether Pearson stays on the line and or maybe drops down. But I can't, I, I can't believe that. So okay, then but, then Garland is like a third wheel on one of yeah, these lines, and I think we're gonna have to I mean, see where bad, like but... Kuzmenko and. McC- can find some chemistry because I think they're banking on you know top nine roles for both of them, but I don't know if they'll both you know who they'll connect with mm-hmm. um, because you can't just you know plug in good players and hope they just go right. Sure, you can. That's how it works. So um, yeah, I think. As I said, I think it'll be more about um, pairings and kind of see where we find people. Um, and I do don't think like yeah, we'll see who's the, that fourth checking line is going to be super interesting if that's what it ends up being. But you know, there's some been some really interesting signings all the way down, so. You know, does Jason Jason Dickinson fit in or not? Um, you know, like Niels Hoglander, how's he come back? Um, Dakota Joshua, like I think he's kind of Dakota Joshua might be one of those steel signings, but we'll have to see. I mean, the, the other question mark is the blue line. Yeah. The blue line was a question mark prior to last season, and then OEL got brought in to fix it. In fairness to OEL, he was very serviceable. Serviceable is and, a good word. Well, not for what he's being paid. No. But like did OEL like But yeah, he was serviceable to 
like surprisingly good. Yeah, like this thing is like when I say serviceable, I actually mean that in a positive sense. Mm-hmm. Um, he did what he was needed to. He needed to do. Um, I don't think he hurt the Vancouver Canucks on the ice. His contract unfortunately hurts okay. in other ways. Just like right, what OEL scandal did I miss? Well, no, yeah. like it's the contract, Fair right? Enough. Like you know, and then you know, one might argue that hey, Tyler Myers became a very serviceable defenseman, and that's that's good too. Again, his well, no, I mean, I sorry, I just did he hurt it. the Vancouver Canucks on the ice? Not as much as previously. Right, he he improved. I mean, uh-huh. I still think he should be a forward. Yeah, but he hey, still you know, needs a little shot color that kind of alerts him every time he's a furthest player forward. Yeah, but definitely, but like, you know. But that's where we're, so you know, like serviceable, serviceable. Okay, you got Quinn Hughes, great, and then. Who you got? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I've just been trying to make D pairings here. <laughs> like, for the last 10 minutes in the background, too. Like, <laughs> do you wonder so if Quinn- Tyler Myers plays with Quinn Hughes? I mean, we love a Luke Shannon Quinn Hughes pairing, but. Well, I mean, in fairness to Luke Shen, um, how does he keep up? Yeah. I mean, it's a it's a good pairing. I think you know, but it's and like, I don't think I just don't think it's a whole season we can sort of rely on that, yeah. especially when you've got your best defenseman on the team. Like, so then I was actually going to say if it's not Myers or or, or Shen, like Travis Dermott, who again that's an, like I mean he's a nat- more natural right hand D, um, but top pairing. I would never put like that's in my mind. I don't envision him as your, you, you know, top pairing. Like this is the problem is the Vancouver Canucks have, have built themselves a blue line. That's got, you know, arguably on some teams in the league, OEL and Myers are, are top pairing defensemen. Mm-hmm. It's quite clear Quinn Hughes is, but would you say Dermot, Shen and Burroughs are top pairing defensemen? Uh, hot, no. Hot, no. Right. So then it's like, well, Chris, there's three top pairing defensemen. What's the problem? Well, considering two of them are on the left, like they they are, that is their position. And so you're going to be putting some out of, out of position if you want to, you know, keep yeah. both of them. I mean, when Jim Rutherford said, like, we haven't had it out of Quinn Hughes' mouth, but Jim Rutherford said Quinn said he would try the right. That's like, very inspiring. Very inspiring. I think. It's funny, the OEL reports of him practicing on the right over the summer, kind of, I think we laughed them off a little bit, but it's a real thing. It could be that we're looking at OEL the, on playing on Quinn's right. And, and maybe that worked. Like, that's the thing is, I'm, I, I'm not against the experimentation and, and the desire to try, because, like, there, there is a problem that needs to be solved, and it's on one side of the ice. Um but the answers are out of position or in a position that one is not comfortable with and they are learning to play. That said, there have been players in the past that have been able to do this and do this very well. So, you know, maybe maybe that's what's needed. And I mean, actually, let me rephrase it. It is what's needed. It's just really wish it wasn't needed so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like we said, I no doubt Quinn could do it. I think OEL could probably do it as well. But 
if you've just signed JT Miller to this extension, you've got Bo that needs a new deal. We've got PD and Quinn on the deals that they are. Um, and you're coming up with patchwork solutions. Yeah, it's a, that's, that's, that's how teams got to win cups. Patchwork. Depth. Yeah. <laughs> I think, but this is, this is, this is my opinion as such. Depth helps win cups. Yes. Not because depth is what you need all the time. It's that you have the depth available that when you need to use it, you get serviceable play. The Vancouver Canucks in literally the Benning era, they tapped into their quote unquote depth to kick off a season. Yeah. And it shouldn't need to be emphasized, but depth does not mean signing lots of new players and it just randomly. And it doesn't mean experience in the NHL. Like it means players that can good in the room, play Lots all of heart. the way down your lineup. Good in the room with some spells. Lots of heart. Great DJ. <laughs> I'm not even sure. Um, <laughs> Del Zotto was that, and he's a. I think he got paid to do it by people. Yeah. Anyhow, Anyhow. Uh, so yeah. the uh, the Vancouver Canucks are definitely in sort of you know uh, win now because I mean they have time. To you know, life moves fast when you're uh, you're, you're you're riding as a Canucks fan. Um, <laughs> what went with the we need to make some changes, get some cap space to YOLO. Like, was it Jim Benning all along? Is Jim, Jim Rutherford just an evolution? Is that, it's like Pokemon? Where, yeah, you just you like know. Scooby-Doo and then you pull out the mask and it's Jim Benning. Yeah, like, I mean, I'm, I don't mean that in the facetious sense that I'm trying to present it because, one, I know it's not true, and two, I would much rather have Jim Rutherford than Jim Benning sort of yeah, and they in that context. Yeah, and they smarter person than Jim Benning, but some of the stuff he says sounds a little Benning-esque, right? Like, they were so set on being patient and assessing. Which they were. Yeah. Ish. Ish. They were patient. They assessed. And then they got to the opinion that they've got to, like, they're ready. (laughs) Yes, through the patient assessment that we went through and having presented our plan to ownership, ownership told us we were good. I'm sure. This, I mean, this, I, 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 rubber stamper push for the cup. Very. Well, this, this is this is this is the thing is that could this be more the same because there is this pressure that we may not officially know or never will that this is this is the goal every season. Like, I don't think any team out goes and says like full on full no, we don't want to make the playoffs. But what's interesting is those that do, like, hey, the Colorado Avalanche didn't go through a spell of, yeah, we're a playoff caliber team. They actually said, no, this is going to be a process. We're going to rebuild. We're going to go and retool. Yeah. We're going to bring in prospects. And then suddenly Colorado was. Look at what Colorado did. I mean, the Chicago Blackhawks, when they went through their, their era. Now they they are in that era again. Right. But this, do you, I mean, it's Chicago, uh, but I think going through this, they're not going through this as like, oh, this is a playoff caliber team. It's like, hey, we're going to rebuild. We're going to get back to the glory days once we figure out all of our misogyny issues that uh, exist. Um, mm-hmm. 
but the Vancouver Canucks have not done that. Like this is this is the concern. You brought in this this front office, and on in retrospect, your very intelligent, smart front office has said, "Yeah, we're pretty much good to go." Yeah, player development was lacking. We're going to fix that. I think they're going to do some really good things in player development. Um, you know, Cody touched on a lot of that mm-hmm. uh, in the last episode as well, right? But okay, that's that's what you're then saying is the future our development of whatever the heck we can find to keep this really phenomenal playoff team going. Yeah. I, I kind of think you're, you're, you're maybe misreading that, that, you know, big club side a little, but what do I know? I'm just a podcaster. Yeah. And like I said, honestly, at the time of the JT Miller signing, there was a lot of people, as Canucks Twitters want to be, like throwing some crap around on the internet. You know, how can you be so negative? JT Miller is such a good player. He's a 99 point player, which so true. Really strong player. We've got him at a very good deal. I would not be worried at all if Canucks had the pieces to back it up. But what I want to say is that, God, I hope you're right. Like, I want well, okay, you to so, be right about where this team is at. Chris Gear. Mm-hmm. I presume Anna, you saw his his tweets regarding the JT Miller scene. Okay. Um, if for some reason you can go search Chris Gear's, you know, former essentially legal counsel at the Vancouver Canucks, did a lot of the contract work, what have you. Um, he came out, you know, very positive about this deal. And, you know, a lot of what Chris had said is true. It is probably really good value and what JT provides right now, totally. But see, I, I, you know, Chris has been actually involved in the organization for some time, and I believe he was actually a fan of the Canucks prior to this actually getting the job that he had. Um, so he probably can appreciate me, who's been a fan of the Vancouver Canucks for a long time. I've heard this before. I've heard this many times before. And I have unfortunately seen how many times it has not worked out very well. I am jaded as a result of that. Yes. I think the problem is with sit back and enjoy, like – we want to, and I'm sure we will love seeing JT Miller play this year. The question is, when the team is ready, will he he still be? That's the question. Um, and and I that's the other problem is that like our question is is this team ready today? Um, I say no. Yeah, I say no too. I, and I mean, that, you know, prove us wrong. Great. Win a cup. Awesome. Yeah. Like, like we don't lose in that. We are over the moon no. if we're wrong. But, but that that's the problem is like, I, I, I don't, I don't know at this point if and when a rebuild will ever occur. Like I am willing to go through one. I mean, I'm a, I'm a, I have been a Canucks fan for so long. I have suffered through so much misery. Do you think a few more years would really, really bug me? No. So long as it was presented as, yeah, you're going to have a couple tough years. Okay. I know that's not how the business sport works, but. Yeah. It's tough. Honestly, I, just, I, I did I, also enjoy like Chris Gear simultaneously said, saying, presenting himself as an insider who knows exactly what goes into these deals and also kind of shunning any responsibility for any of the contracts the Canucks signed. <laughs> He's just like. I know what I'm talking about. I was in the room, like I was making these deals, but also I didn't really make the deals. I just wrote the contract. So leave me alone. 
Well, he made the deal. He just didn't make the deal. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, I, I I don't know, but I, I imagine it went something like this. Uh, Jim Benning and, um, you know, whomever, they wrote down a couple of things on a napkin. They passed the napkin <laughs> to Chris Gear. Chris Gear is a very, very, well, yeah, whatever happened to be lipstick, uh, you know, who knows, whatever it was. Chris Gear, very intelligent fellow. Uh, he would take this, this, translate the, you know, give guy good money, six mil, eight year, something like that to an actual player contract. Yeah. Cause and, I'm not and trying clauses to and such. blame him for, you know, Tyler Myers deals or anything like that. Don't get me wrong. It's just funny to see someone wield their expertise as a weapon and then well, say that they had nothing to do with it. No, but like, I mean, I think in, I, I will, I'm more than willing to, to cut him some slack on that because he, he is, See, he has seen things that m- most of us would not oh, have yeah. seen as to the contract. And he, yet at the same time, he's not the person who's actually doing the negotiations and what have you. But, oh, man, imagine if that's actually how it was, like on a napkin. Um, uh, you know, Tyler, stud, big money. I don't think he even try wrote not, his name. Try I, not to move. I think I just, I think he wrote tall guy. Tall guy, tall guy. <laughs> eight mil oh what was it actually six. what is uh tyler at six okay still i mean it's still concerning maybe maybe we have chris gear to thank for it not to be eight <laughs> yeah he was just like he was like are you sure you meant to write nine million or is that upside down jim <laughs> i'm gonna say it's upside oh, down and that's a six gosh okay yeah yeah we're, we're horrible. We're, <laughs> I mean, this is why we're going to remain the best mediocre connects podcast is we're, stuff like this. Yeah. Anyway, speaking of the best mediocre podcast, uh, Anna, um, you were showcasing something at the, uh, the drink up, weren't you? I was. So if you were one of the lucky few who came in person, you would have seen our new logo. So um, I'm sure you're all a bit bored with our logo. I'm sure you're even, what? even more bored with our intro, which also is going to get fixed, I promise. But eh, maybe that takes time. That takes time. But I will say what we do have right now is a shiny new logo designed um, by Mio on Twitter. You'll know as Flies Witch. Um, she has done some really, really cool things, um, including um, Dallas Pride um, art. She's done art for almost like a ton of teams for pride. Um, and she made the Canucks pride much as well, um, which I have some of, and it's really cool. Anyway, she did an excellent job. Um, we're excited to launch that in the new season. It's also going to go with sort of a, a not a complete rebrand. I mean, we are going to be C4. We're just going to update the image, you know, yeah. just like, uh, you know, the Vancouver Canucks front office, we took patient, uh, patience and, uh, we assessed the, the, the podcast and we've decided that, uh, simply throwing on a new coat of paint and running back the same two hosts and show is the way to go. And this is why we are going to remain the best mediocre Vancouver Canucks podcast. Yeah. Because we're at the cap already. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we pay each other way too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we we make like OEL money. Let me tell you. God, I wish. In, 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 yes, I would. I would not need a job that I'm currently in search of if I was making OEL money. Oh man. Um, but That's yeah, the dream. exciting things are coming. Um, like we're saying, like um, the boys are back. 
everyone's skating pretty much not everyone but a lot of like half the team over half the team are already in town so new season is a coming um real fast sure is speaking of which if you have some thoughts about anything that we've said anything about the new season anything at all the easiest way to get in touch with us is by joining c4 discord discord.io slash c4 podcast or um we have an uh, actual discord link too but discord.io is the easiest way to go about it jump into gate 16 talk about the vancouver canucks jump into off topic talk about whatever you want nom nom if you want to talk about food and that seems to actually be one of the more active channels these days and also you can also beyond this there's a lot of wild disagreement in nom nom so it's not even like <laughs> i'm sorry generally the most disagreement is the fact that there is a certain member of our community who thinks that you need to cook a steak until it's turning into a hockey puck yeah that is so wrong anyhow i'm, I'm you got me all worked up sorry. um you can also reach out to us on all the social platforms. We are at the C4 podcast on Twitter or on Facebook, the C4 podcast. Uh, so facebook.com slash C4 podcast. And as always, you can drop us a message. If you want to hear yourself on our show by going to speakpipe.com slash C4 podcast. It's been a long time since we had a, another voice. Ask us a question, share some thoughts, maybe a favorite recipe or instructions on how to properly cook a steak. Or instructions on how to properly build a hockey team for a cup contender, because both would be useful. True. True. I, I'm I, I would settle for either of those <laughs> options. But again, that's speakpipe.com slash C4 podcast. So before we wrap things up, Anna, any final words of wisdom? Yeah, um, I'm gonna give a recommendation. I'm currently reading the book Bear Town by Frederick Backman. I'm trying to read it from here. Um, it's a, we've talked a lot about hockey culture and kind of how it starts at junior level and can be really troubling. Um, it's set in a town in Sweden, but really could be a town in Canada, um, middle of nowhere where their team town lives for the hockey team. Um, I won't give spoiler alerts. Um, I won't give spoilers, but yeah, it's worth a read for sure. I'm only halfway through, so that's good. Well, those words of recommendation um, are far stronger than mine. I was going to suggest that uh, give the killer cucumber ale at Steamworks a try. It might not sound like a tasty beverage, but it is surprisingly light and refreshing. Uh, I enjoyed the few pints that I had. And if you were to say, but Chris don't know beer, Faber also gave it a, a try and he also approved. So. And I actually am a total beer snob, and I don't like any weird fruit flavorings or random flavorings in my beer, and I actually enjoy it as well. So, Yeah, so there you have it. So on behalf of Anna, A4SA03, myself, Chris, at Lightforce, signing off this episode of the C4 Connects Hockey Podcast, brought to you by the Full Press Coverage Network and ConnectsHockeyBlog.com with We Out. <laughs>